Welcome to Lakes United We Stand Podcast. I'm Andy Mitten. I'm in a bar in Houston, Texas. It's absolutely roasting outside. United plays City today. Uh, you'll probably be listening to this after the American leg of the pre-season. And so I won't know the final results, but I'm in a bar with quite a few lads from Manchester who've come over. Some of the lads have been via a holiday in Las Vegas. Everyone's got slightly different plans. Some are doing the full tour, some some are not. I'm speaking with four lads who've come together. I'm going to ask them some questions about supporting United because these are lads who've been following United for 40, 50 years. Um, and this podcast, of course, is brought to you by RedArmyBet.com. It's a new betting site where some of the proceeds are given back to United Fan Project. So check that out, RedArmyBet.com. First question, lads. I want you to introduce yourself first of all to listeners of this United We Stand podcast. Um, what is the most dangerous place you've been to while watching Manchester United? So introduction and then answer. Mouse from Mouse Play. Uh, one of the ones I found was Newcastle in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. I had two lads with us, Sam Smart, David Thompson, Coco. Andy Owen and what have you. Uh, we got chucked out, there's about 15 of us. No disrespect, but there weren't many black faces in them days up that area. And uh, we got sort of a bit of a tussle outside. The police came, escorted us back down to the cattle market. And then that was it then. So you, you, cut, you got thrown out of St James's Park. There's 50 of you, Manchester lads. There's a couple of black lads among the United lads. They didn't really exist in Newcastle at that time. And there's loads of them waiting for you. And they chased you back into the town? Well, they didn't chase us. We had a tussle outside. And then we got escorted into the cattle market on the way down to the town. And of all the time watching United, that has been the, the roughest place you've seen. Uh, how many Newcastle were there? A couple of hundred. A couple right. of hundred. But when you say the worst place, well, there's loads. We all have our own thoughts on what was bad. Liverpool away used to be bad in the 70s and 80s. Why? Just because the scouts and the uh, tribal area was there. Uh, at the end of the day, we're all tribal to an extent, that's what football's all about. So, when you go to Liverpool, you catch, catch the train to Lime Street and then you make your way up to Anfield. Yeah, we have a few pints in the city centre, Weatherspoon and what have you. Either getting taxis to the ground or we mooch up there on the bus, we've done the taxis now, men of a certain age, shall I say. But in them days, it wasn't that, was it? You got march from Lime Street up Scotty Road, march back down, etc. Et and they had, they had the knives and everything, didn't they, at that time? Oh, yeah, of course they did. They're the stabbers, you know what I mean? But each club had their own, for want of a better word. No different than any other club, but because United was a big scalp, they used to come out. Worst place you've seen watching United, most dangerous place. Introduction. John Doyle from one side. Uh, there's many, many places that have been rough, but one particular one for me, uh, the area was banned. We took no tickets, I think it was 78, 79. United never took any tickets because they full West Ham away that year. Really bad day that. All the way on the tube, obviously no United together, just spotting faces in ones and twos. The minute we got off the tube, Upton Park, they picked us off. Obviously we never massed near the ground because we didn't have an end to go in. And the end of 30, there was some cottonies, well known cottonies. We ended up in a little paddocks there at West Ham. Chased out of the ground by half time. Yeah. Beat 3-0. Battered a couple of times, proper bad day out that. I mean that that particular memory is one of my worst. I was young then, but still scared, terrified, terrified. You just couldn't stay in the ground? Couldn't stay in the ground. Just too dangerous? Well, they scored first two goals and then we never cheered and that was it after that point. Just got chased out of the ground. You had to get back to Houston? I had to get back to Houston, yeah. 
Paul Whiteside, Blakely, Manchester. So, most dangerous place you've been with United? There's quite a few actually, but uh, for me it's got to be Leeds. Which year? I can't remember the year, but I'm going, I'm going back into the 90s. What about the first time they came up in August 1990? There was a lot of trouble then. That could have been the year. When they were promoted. It wasn't was, was in the 90s. When they used to, park, they used to park the coaches at the back of the Leeds end. Yeah. And you had to escort you through the, under, the, under the motorway. Under the motorway. The police didn't give up monkeys. You know, they just said, there's your turnstile, you go and find it. You know, and you've got three or four hundred leads in front of you. What do you do? You've got to walk. And it wasn't pretty anyway that day. I remember that year going to Leeds for the first time, walking under that motorway, the 602. There were Leeds fans singing YRA, were Yorkshire Republican Army. I was a young lad, came out the tunnel. I wasn't a fighter, I'm not a fighter. And I went, Manchester! I didn't even get the full word out and someone had chinned me. I was on the floor and I got in the ground in the Lowfield Roadside and I was at days because I'd never been smacked at football before. But I swear after 20 minutes I didn't know which way United were, 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 were attacking. So leads away. Yeah, I would give you definitely. I don't, I don't know. Where, where's, where's a bad place that you've been to? Over the years, following United, where's a, a dangerous place? Abroad or, or in England? Where, whereabouts abroad? An introduction first. Uh, Barry Nelson from Erlum. Yeah. Are you from Erlum? Yeah. I'm from Ermston, we're rivals. Yeah, yeah. We're over the canal. Yeah, I remember my dad playing for Ermston Town against Erlum Town in an FA Cup game in 85, and it was not for the faint hearted. <laughs> we shouldn't be speaking here. No, 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 no. We live a mile apart. Yeah, yeah. You've got Salford accents, and you, you can't say cherry where you're from, can you? You say yeah, cherry. Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> I ran over the locks last week. I ran into Earlham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live, I live the locks. Earlham had a great team in the mid 80s. Silver Street was beautiful. So, where, where were United? A dangerous place abroad. Did you go to Roma in 07? I did, yeah. I was, uh... you, were you near the bridge in Roma in 07? I was actually at the, uh, <laughs> the cafe bit at the bottom before the bridge. Yeah. With a little snap bar, but I wasn't involved in the trouble. But it was. Uh, Anywhere else? Where would be a, a one of the I worst ones was in? Forget the year. It was eighty. Chirin. I was only about eighteen. Chirin, eighty-three. The semi. Was it semi-final? Uh, the old Chirin ground. Then destroying all sorts of blood oranges. Not blood oranges, but bottles of piss. I was only. I was only 18 at the time, that's probably one of the scariest places I've been at the yes. time. It was, it was dodgy at the time around there. What is your lowest moment watching Manchester United? I mean, you've been going for over half a century, some of you. For me, for me getting relegated in 74. Why? I was devastated. Yeah? I was only 13, I went to the game. I mean, all that talk about City putting United down, I mean, that's, that was rubbish anyway. Yeah, it was but not true. It wasn't true anyway, because obviously we, it was Birmingham, whatever. Well, yeah. They Birmingham had to lose. I don't know, just as a kid, 13 years of age, my first derby on my own with my mates. I always remember getting a bus back up to Blakely 17, I was crying on the bus. Was <laughs> The blocks, I always remember the, I always remember the guy, the um, ticket inspector in them days, you had on the pussy, didn't you? I always remember him saying, don't worry about it, lads. They'll be back next season. And he was. 
Well, that was my lowest point without a doubt. There's been a lot of low points. Those are good high points, but for me, 6 1 Derby defeat against City. I mean, it's recent. I back up what Paul says there about relegation. Probably losing to Southampton in the first cup final at Wembley. That was pretty hard to take for the kid, but 6 1 defeat. It's etched on my brain. I'll never get that out of the system. Got loads of blue mates in Ireland. Even now, I still get stick about it. Every time them goals go in, Sam Seaton would tell it. It's worse than the Aguero goal against QPR. Just kills me, Andy. It's just a, just a terrible day, that. Shocking day. And your part of Manchester is more red or blue? Uh, I'd say long, long, I'm drinking Longside from Longside. That's possibly red. But Gorton wear a booze. And I'd say there's a few more blues in the pubs than there is red. Yeah. And obviously they love to remind me about that, the sixth one. And they have that song, don't they? Could have been ten. Oh, they have lots of songs. That is one of them, yeah, I'll give them that. Yeah. They've got good humour, the Manx, aren't they? I'll give them that. But they're forever rubbing it in my face. And uh, I give them loads. But for me, that's mine, Andy. I'll never forget that day. Just horrible day in the office. Horrible. Yeah. Lowest moment. My lowest moment, uh, any time the Scousers beat us, especially at Old Trafford. Uh, I don't like losing, especially not against Liverpool. It's what we are, we United, we shouldn't get beat against Liverpool, especially when Gerrard scored that goal the other year. And then uh, blowing kisses to the camera, just done my head in a bit. So you'd see Liverpool as our main rivals over City? I wouldn't say they're our main rivals, no. I think they're a bigger club than City at the end of the day. I think we're our own enemies, no one can touch United. We're out, we're out in front of them all and I think we've got good buys. We've just had a bit of a dip, a bit of a blink, whatever you want to call it. We never went away, we didn't have a dip like we did a few years back. We're there and I think we'll stay there and we'll come back stronger. Lowest moment following the Reds. Sun on the way. What year? The year, was it when Oh yeah, yeah. So you were there in the ground? Going, well the worst thing was going to the game Knowing you're not going to win the league because QPR aren't going to beat them. Getting absolutely bladdered and out of the pool. Going to the game, probably the drunkest I've been at an away game for a long time. Then winning the league because bladdered we actually thought we won the league and then losing it. But then the best thing going out of Greg's testimonial the day after to miss all the. So, so you went from Sunderland to Belfast yeah, yeah. for Greg's testimonial yeah, yeah, to miss City celebrating no, no, the town. No, no, going anyway, but yeah. that was the best thing yeah. that could have happened. Because yeah. we went out of Greg's testimonial for three days and obviously missed all the out of the city. They, they were celebrating in town, they had like nearly six, 600 fans out yeah, in least, town. Yeah, 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 we probably had more than that in Belfast, but there you go. <laughs> but no, no, that was, that was my worst ever. And I'm not a... Who is the greatest player that you have ever seen playing for Manchester United and why? Tough question, this, Andy. Very tough. Recent times have been some great players. Uh, Ronaldo was without saying. Camp. You're only allowed to choose one. If I had to pick one, I, for me, it'd be Brian Robson because I thought a great player in an average United team would be truthful. I thought he carried us and England solely on his own. Ten years. And he could do everything, I mean, you know, he was just a, just a beast around the pitch. You know, you look at Keane, see all the attributes, these great players they talk about, and lots of them all, cadet, tackle, run, get up and down the pits, scored vital goals, I don't know how many great goals he did, but he won games for it. For me, Robson, I mean, yeah, he's not, he's not your glamour, he's not your best, you know, but that's, that's where I'd like, be Brian Robson for me. 
greatest United player? Mate, George Best without a doubt. Just thought he had everything as a footballer. Good head, uh, pass with his left foot, right foot, he had the ball, he could tackle. He just had everything. I mean, you know, you look at the pitches in them days when he was playing them. You know, some of them pitches in them days, like mud baths. You know, and I mean, he, he, was, he was a genius on there, so what would he be like playing on the pitches they have today? I just thought he's four. I've also a big fan of, fan of Paul Scholes. I'm a real big Paul Scholes fan for me. He's probably the best year. Better than Giggs, I think. Better than, yeah, better than Ronaldo. I just think he's a better all round player than, than all of them. Best ever, you know, player? Uh, he's been quite a few over the years, but I'll go for Ronaldo. Ronaldo's one of them players where he gets you off your seats, gets you excited, gets your heart pumping. And whatever you think about him, every great player has an attitude. And he's got that attitude and he's proved it and proved it and proved it with his goal scoring feats, but also his work rate, the training regime he must do to be as fit as what he still is. So for me, he just gets the crowd excited and you can tell that the crowd at Old Trafford, especially the strip where I sit, still chant his name on a regular basis. One of the all-time greats. Greatest player. Cantona, just for the reason he, he, he was the final piece that we won the Premiership for me. I've been in the 80s, all we had was the FA Cup. And you know, just just for that reason, really, I just thought he was the final piece that we won it. And it's a bit with it in the European Cup, with him, but I just cancer. That's that's the only reason, really, just because he just he just broke that. Yeah. We won the we won the Premiership, and he was just the final. I don't know. We've talked about the past, let's talk about the present. How are you feeling about Manchester United going into this season under Mourinho with the signings? Do you think there'll be an improvement uh, on last season? What's the mood at the moment? What are your opinions about? Yeah, big improvement, definitely, without a doubt. Mourinho, he'll have him sorted. Great manager. And I was all rivalry when he was at Chelsea, but I mean, that's all part of football, isn't it? You know, but. He knows his plans, man, you know, he'll get them work out. I think they were that far off last year, actually, to be truthful. You look at all them games that we drew at Old Trafford, unbelievable. I mean, you win it, you win it, the 18, 90% of them games, could have won the league. So, I don't, you know, I think it's looking good for United this season. How are you feeling? Which players will it be an important season for? And- I think Lukaku is massive. He's got he's got to perform from game one. I think he'll I think he'll under the pressure. I think that's a massive thing. United. I think players coming United just don't realise what it's like. Seventy six thousand people every week. We've got the we've got the manager. For me, he'd have been the choice after Fergus. I don't know this moment on behind. Marino's made us an hard team to beat again. We look solid at the back. I just worry sometimes defensively. Or maybe Lukaku will be the thing. Zlat never let us down. Maybe there might be another sign in the fight line, but I'm confident. I think we'll do well this year. Definitely. definitely. I think we're hard to beat. We just need to be able to kill games off, kill matches off. That's what worries me. Just that. I thought Lukaku was the little last piece of the jigsaw, but only time would tell. Really positive. I mean, the end of the Marino's no mug. But I think what he gets is United's DNA. United's DNA is attack, attack, attack. 4-4-2, 4-3-3, whatever you want to call it. We've had a few drab years with Moyes and Van Gaal. I think Marino gets the DNA. 
bought some good players. I think we can move forward. I think we will move forward. I think we're holding a bit of baggage that he's got to get rid of. But he knows what he is. He's a strong manager. We've got strong personalities now in the dressing room. And I have no doubt we'll be challenging for the Premiership, if not a double this year. Top two. I think he's a, an even semi-final in Champions League. I think we'll do really good in Champions League this year. Really do. Um, he was he was always the one I always said after Ferg anyway. Bruno was the only one you could get. The others were just uh, I don't know. Between, but I'm positive this year. I reckon we'll uh, be a lot better than it has been. It's been some. What's your greatest moment as a Manchester United fan? In all the time, if you, if you had to pick a moment, maybe it's a game or maybe it's just a moment. What would that moment uh, be? Greatest moment as a United fan? Who wants to go first on this one? Let's to pick a game. We spoke the other day. We're all going to say one thing, aren't we? Well, the other day we talked, and that game in Chirin actually came out on top. But maybe that the question to that was the greatest ever game. So if you're all going to say winning the treble, maybe I'll ask you something different. And yeah, so I forgot about that actually. Actually, yeah, because I was ready to leave when it was when it was two nil down. What, you were going to leave the ground after oh, eleven minutes. Devastating, man. It was devastating. Just couldn't see any way back. You know? Yeah, I was going to leave. Yeah, but once we got that goal and then dawned on me that we only need another goal and we're in the we're in the uh, box seat, aren't we? So uh, I've come to my senses in the end. I stayed in. Yeah, I forgot about that to be truthful because it's always the treble on your mind, isn't it? And that's. For me, yeah, it's a good, it's a good call that, yeah. It's your so in final, yeah, it's a good call that, yeah. Greatest moment as a red. I suppose it's easy to give her the obvious ones, all the European cups, but mine is I was 2 0 down at Main Road. Yeah. And came back 3 2 and right key. Even better because we were sat in the main stand, so only by about 300 birdies who were giving us loads of abuse. And on the telly, where you see Keane slide over on his knees, he actually sees all jump up, there's about 30 of us. For me, it's that by a mile. Because being a Manchester lad and having so many blue friends, growing up with loads of blues, for me, that was, for me, it was that. So that was November 93. We played at Galatasaray midweek right. and been knocked out of Europe. Right, did yeah. any of you go to Galatasaray? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, I'm with the hardcore eh? Did any of you get locked up in Galatasaray? Yes. You all got locked up in Galatasaray. Right. Yeah. Me too. Um, when I was at the Derby, on the Saturday then, I was giving a Turkish delight in the ground. Yes. Well, that was the point I was going to make was they were throwing Turkish delights on yeah. the pitch. You go into a 2 0 lead, we've had a terrible league week, we've been to Turkey, we've not seen the game. And then they storm back with Keane and Cancer. Yeah, that was sat in the north stand. And then behind me, and he wanted to give me the lead. And all I heard at our time was, we want five, we want five. And when that third one... Because he beat us in the five, one, hadn't they? Yeah, and, so didn't, they didn't and when that third one went in, I looked around, they've gone. <laughs> Maybe given the game we're about to watch tonight, we should do a, a greatest derby memories one, separate from, from, from that one. But greatest moment, uh, greatest moment as a red. Every moment's a great moment being a United fan at the end of the day and being on trips like this. But what I will say is one of the greatest games I've ever saw from personal part of it was West Brom at home, 5-3 in the League Cup, if you ever remember that. Laurie Cunningham and Cyril Regis played for West Brom. Gary Bailey was United's goalkeeper and Gary Bailey was man of the match. 
is one of the greatest games I've ever seen for pure football. And that's the game that United lost. That's right, correct. They were that good. I don't. I'm too young for it. Were they that good? Oh yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Red off, red off. Because that was Atkinson's side, wasn't it? And they yeah. had they had three black players yeah. up front at a time when there were not many black players around. So. If you ask Andy Cole who his hero is, he would say Cyril Regis because what he went through at that time. What what was it like being in the crowd that day? Because I stood on the stretch then as a kid and, and I heard a lot of racism. You know, suddenly you got a team coming, or was race not a factor? Was was the fact that they were just a brilliant football team? Well, the fact is, race was an issue because it was within the community where we all lived in then days, and you can't hide away from the fact. But I think on the night of that game, racism never came into it. You just see them as footballers and what you should do. And there was far, far the better team on the evening. And it was just great to be there. Part of that the atmosphere was rocking as always because it was a night game. But they battered us in a way. But it was 5-3. It was a cracking game. Did, what happened at the end? Did United fans... They couldn't have applauded West Brom. Or? No, they did. Really? They applauded them, yeah. Sometimes you've got to do that. You've got to hold your hands up sometimes. And appreciate good football like we did with Madrid at home when Ronaldo scored the hat-trick at the end of the day. We're not, we're not Muppets out there, we, we love football and we try to listen to that we love United because of our past history or whatever. But when you see something like the hat-trick by Ronaldo and West Brom at home, then you've got to roll your hands up. I never knew that they were applauded that day. They had a young Brian Robson, I yeah. think they did, and they had a Mancunian called Len Cantello playing for him. Uh, Brown, Ali Brown, another one. Brendan Batson. He went Brown. into the PFA. Tony, Tony Brown. Brown. Laurie Cunningham. Brian. Yeah. I did. Um, I did a do with Big Ron in December in, in Dublin, and uh, I had to ask the questions in front of a, a live crowd, and he was, he was drinking. And after like 90 minutes, I just just calmed down a little bit, Ron. <laughs> Ron. He had like cocktails. His cocktail was like something. Yeah. Just, all right, Ron. Just ease off on, on, on that one. But he's still got a, a very sharp mind, and you know he's uh, <coughs> a moment. Well, I may as well say Barcelona. They might be old Munich sitting there with two minutes. Well, two minutes ago. Talking, we, we sat with five of us, more or less discussing. Let's go back to the Ramblers, like we used to say, when I lose, have a booze, and that's basically what we was doing. You know, I'm not swear, but get, let's get back to the Ramblers, go on the booze, and then it happened. Just, you know, you can never. So you're there, so you. you cause I'm a four. One goal's enough for me. That's my thinking. Well, we're sat. We're, we're actually sat behind the box. Sat behind Fergie about ten rows up. I've got Gannon and Licker to my right. There's five of us in a row. No, that, that's as far as them screens. I was that ten yards away. So when the first went in, what what you did? Just but we were still scoring him. When the second, still cheering when the second one went in. I've got goosebumps just thinking about it, and I don't relay it in my mind. I'm in that stadium every other week for work, and I just don't. It'll always be camped out. I've been the stadium for United, well, I don't know, seven or eight times over the years, but that night was just. Oh, you never. You never get them on. Even back the, because the first, when the first goal went in, you were still celebrating. Maybe you was on your ass on the floor, getting picked up. And by the time you got up, you steadied yourself a little bit. Jesus, the next one's coming. You told me you couldn't make it up. That's what dreams are made of. You know what I mean? That's why we're Man United. But even play to right down the Ramblers at, at two, three, four, five, six, seven in the morning and see bodies just 
in the fact just everywhere, just bodies in the street, asleep or still cheering at seven in the morning. You know, we stayed in Salute and it was just I mean we got to bed at half seven in the morning, got back to Salute at half seven in the morning, you couldn't sleep and then you're back up for nine. The, the, the La Vanguardia, which is a very conservative Catalan paper, the next day, obviously, they had the picture of the game, but they had a massive picture of a fountain just full of beer cans, and the headline was, they are ugly, but they are good people. And I thought, you cheeky bastards. Right. But the gist of it was all really positive. And I heard so many stories that day. A friend of mine was on the metro to the ground, and um, a friend in Barcelona, he's not even a football fan, and he, he saw a United fan asleep on the train, and he's going to miss his stop, fast asleep, and uh, he woke him up. Thanks for that, mate. I, you know, I, would have, I would have missed the European Cup final. You were saying you've got a good story from the 26th of May, 1999. Yeah, there was a uh, trip was all planned. I went with Paul there. How did you get there from Manchester? We flew to... Girona, didn't we? Yeah. And we flew back to Leeds, Bradford. We couldn't get any flights. But going back to the story, planned the trip, everything. Two days before the game, Mrs. gets thrust into labour. That's my son, second child, premature. One pound twelve, six o'clock Monday night. We're there. The baby's in the incubator. Everyone's upset. So I said, well, obviously, I can't go Wednesday. She said, no, no, you go. I said, no, I'm not going. So he's another mate of mine. Says, get rid of my flight. Didn't have a match ticket, be truthful. Get rid of my flight, so he gave me flight away. So Tuesday afternoon, I got to see my missus with her sister. She says, You want to go, don't you, John? I went, You know, I want to go. It's United, it's been my life since born in 1960. So she said, Go. So now I've got to try and get my flight back off this lad for that night. So I sent my other mate all the way to Withenshaw to this Gary, this fireman. Got his flight back and his mum says, You're out of order, you can't do that, you can't give it him and take him out. That's Indian giving. I said, I'm going to Barcelona. So when we had a game, obviously I was there, going through all the emotions we all went through, and I thought, Oh, that pissing about me. My mate said, Oh, it doesn't matter, you've got him, there's another Doyle there, and all that. And then just two minutes have just changed your life. Then 120 seconds. I mean, I get goosebumps to talk about it now. Like Neil said, we're still celebrating the first with loads of friends from years, Cockneys who had known for and then the net just burst again, but then that was it. It was just madness, wasn't it? It was incredible. You, don't think, you thought you never, you never beat Barcelona, and I, and I, and I thought you oh, never. No. But in, in a different way, Moscow was as good because we were so isolated. We couldn't walk around Moscow. We stayed in the Alps, I think, in uh, Moscow because everyone's not going to wander around Moscow after the game. Everyone went back to the Alpha, and it was just. I think it was we built for the Olympics, the Alpha. I think they had the. And we were again. We were drinking till seven, half seven in the morning. And I always remember. Us, I think they had the uh, lap dancing or the pole dancers on the fifth to sixth floor. And I've never seen lap dancers out of work who sat stood at the bar all night, no business whatsoever, because everyone was just sinking. Really? It was just amazing. So even though everyone had had a drink? <laughs> it was just, I've never seen that like it. Just, unemployed lap dancers. We've had stories on here about unemployed nurses, but not unemployed lap dancers. It was unreal. And they just never stopped, never stopped singing all that. Because everyone went back, you know, it's like you had your, so it was a different feeling if you know what I mean tell us about some of the characters over the years maybe one character you're saying that in, in camp now you've seen people you 
known for the, at the match for years. I'm sure you've seen lots of people come come and go over the years, you know. And I'm sure you've got happy and very sad memories of different characters. Just tell us, because a lot of people listening to this will be will be younger. A lot of people will never even go to a, a United game. We have people listening to this all around the world. You lads are Manchester lads. You're very fortunate in some ways that you've been able to go to to, to all of the games. And when I tell people abroad about some of the characters I've come across over the years, they actually don't believe me. If I say like Paraffin Pete, a man who used to sleep in fields. That's what I was going to say. And you lads know more than me. Well, you tell us about Paraffin Pete. I Imagine. Always, I always remember that. After them, you get on a Saturday. You got on the top of Warwick Road, he'd be there outside. I'm awake. Near the, near the, near the phone box, outside of the chip bay. And he'd be, let's say it's, let's say it's West Ham the week after away from home. He'd be there, Pete. And so then ready to go and he'd pull out a board on there with London written on it. And he'd be off to the M6 to get itch it all the way, you know. He'd sleep in, I, I remember he was, uh, I think they were playing in London one Saturday and it was at, I think it was some sort of charity game in Wales or something or yeah. Swansea or something like that, I can't remember. And he got a lift off the Swansea branch. I heard, this is what I got told, that he was offered a roof over his head but he chose not to take it and kicked in a, in a phone box. And I also went to Southampton one time, I come out, I come out of Southampton train station I see this, all I've heard is I've been here since Monday and I just see this figure walking down the road in the rain and it's paraffin. He's been there since Monday so I'll have a chat with him. I say, what have you do with yourself, Peter? Oh, I've walked to Winchester and back, 14 miles there, 14 miles back. No wonder his feet was killing him over the years, you know. Well, you know his own life was dedicated to getting to United games, wasn't it? Unbelievable, wasn't it? You know, you'd, you would find it hard to believe, wouldn't you? But that's true. And yet he was also really looked after by United fans. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, another one was a Brighton one. Uh, we went one year and he'd been there. Oh, he'd been there in a few days when we got there in the early morning. I think I always remember there was a bar open about 10 o'clock on the beach, you know, underneath, underneath in the, the arches that they used to have there. And, and I, I would go in and say, What are you having, Pete? You know, you could eat anything he wants, you know, I'd say, What do you want, Pete? And he went, Get us a Guinness. And that's all he'd say. <laughs> he said, That'll feed me. So, so the fans that were going to chip in, buy him what he wants, and he wanted a Guinness. Tell us about another character from the game. I'll tell you another paraffin peach story that's a classic and it's a true one. I got arrested for fighting at Brighton in 1981 and then we drew him in the FA Cup. You were arrested? Were you guilty? Was the arrest deserved? Uh, yeah, it was well just yeah, Unfortunately, I'm in my wild days, yeah. Well, anyway, going back to the story, <laughs> we, uh, we drew Brighton in the Cup, we drew two all little chaffered and we got him in the replay. In this meantime, my court sentence comes up, so the cup tied me. It's a Man United fan cup tied from the Brighton replay. And this was in the paper? This was in, in the, the Brighton Argos. And the Manchester Evening in News as well. United so everyone's cup reading about you. Yeah. And, and what and were your family saying when they're uh, reading this? My dad sort of just remembered it. He said, you know, lads will be lads, you do what you do. That's what you want to do. You take the consequences. But, Anyway, Monday before the game, I think we played the replay on the Tuesday. No, we won't say no. Paraffin rang me from Brighton. 
went, all right, darling. I did some Mickey Mouse. I went, all right, Peter, where are you? He went, I've been sleeping in a boat since Sunday. He said, will you bring me some sandwiches down in the car? From Manchester to Brighton? He wanted you to bring some sandwiches. He did, had me. He said, you come down in the car? Bless him. you bring us some food? I said, well, I'm going to sneak there. I'm not supposed to. He said, I'll be coming on the car rather than going the train with all the laps. He said, I'm going to do a little quiet one in. I said, but I'll bring you some food. He said, all right. He went, yeah, I'm going to sleep in this boat again tonight. And off he went. I mean, you can't make them stories up, can you? I think people who know you lads would all describe you as characters, um, but you're not talking about yourself. Anyone else who's gone to the game for the years will tell us about about someone. There's, there's loads of characters. I know, and, uh, I know. Without going into it too deep, and we don't want to mention names for, for whatever reason, yeah. but we've all been on the, the borderline of it. If you yeah. go back to the casuals in the 70s with yeah. the interrail and the transalpino, etc., etc., when we used to go over there and get the clothes, which you didn't have in this country at the time, so we used to get them over there, bring them back home. And it was us, it wasn't the Scousers, it was United who sorted all that out. I've no doubt about that because we was all over there in them days. But as regards characters, then there's loads, but one about paraffin. Uh, we did a pre season in Aberdeen uh, and we went up there and was all on the loss. And uh, they, we went up for a fortnight, but these came up on the coach for the weekend with West Ham and what have you. But paraffin was up there with us, so we were having a mooch about and it was a bit smelly as it happened because that was life. Yeah, we well, he was living rough effectively, yeah, wasn't he? Right. He was living rough, and that's why we used to help him out with a bit of dust and a few pints and that. United's a family, you look after your, your own. But we've seen these clothes and the washing line, we thought they'll, they'll fit Peter. <laughs> so, 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 honestly, God, and as we're walking along, we're getting the clothes off the clothesline and taking his clothes off. We've got a cardigan, got new strides. <laughs> honestly, God, he looks a million dollars. And that was him done for about six months. <laughs> that's what you did. That's what you did. So some fella in Aberdeen, oh. he's willing to to get his washing in. And they're not there. He's, just, <laughs> he's probably going out that night, he's washed his best clothes, yeah, and instead Paraffin Pete's yeah, walking round Aberdeen, looking like a million dollars. Ca characters over the years. We've done um, 34 minutes, I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Uh, I thank you for your time, I thank you for your stories. I hope that United fans listening to this um, have, have enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And we will bring the next podcast probably from Oslo at the weekend. Uh, I'll be going there to watch Manchester United. Obviously, United are really well supported there. Have we got an update on a character? No, no, can you tell Steve Armstrong not to give this to Chaz because he'll kill me? <laughs> right. Right. Okay, Stephen. Right, no, I'm keeping it in. This is the unedited version. So, who's, who's your mate who's going to listen to it? Just tell Steve Armstrong not to give it Chaz, uh, Chaz or Bradder. Right, Chaz or Bradder. Well, they're clearly all going to listen to this and they're going to absolutely hammer oh, yeah, you for yeah, it, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually meeting Steve in Oslo, so we'll probably do, do a podcast I'll do together. I'm doing last time in Oslo. Yeah. When you can sort of picture outside the yeah. house, I'm right in the middle. Oh, one of the best nights ever in the Destiny Bar in Oslo. We're going to try and recreate that night in a few weeks. I know I'm just finishing this podcast off, but when United last played in Oslo, we managed to find the cheapest bar in Oslo, which was still like 60 quid for a pint. And the owners were Lebanese, and we just said to them, if you sell beers for £4 a pint, we will fill this place and we will keep you going all night. And the other thing you've got to do is let us take over the music. And the bar filled up with a load of old-time United fans. It was one of the best nights out of this decade. We had the music bouncing. And then um, 
there were some lads, I mean, I, I knew a lot of them, I didn't know so many others. And then a lad come and pulled me, and he was an old hooli, I didn't really know him. He said, I want a word with you outside. I thought, Jesus, what's this about? And he got me on the street, and he said, uh, how's your dad? And I said, he's all right, because my dad had been poorly. And he said, your dad was an inspiration to my son. My dad, my dad teaches kids in Old Trafford who have, who've had challenges, you know, and he tries to put them on the straight and narrow, get them an apprenticeship, and he talks to them in their language. So we're going on a Monday morning and say, like, those slutchy scouse bastards at the weekend, and kids have never been talked to like that before. And this lad, I'll never forget it, because outside that bar, he said, yeah, he helped turn my son's life around him. And I told my dad that. He started crying down the phone with that because he was pretty poorly at the time. And, and I think, you know, when you go to matches, it's so much more than the football and just me hearing these lads telling these stories and seeing that they're clearly mates. You've probably been mates for 40 years together. It is so much more than that, that 90 minutes football. And I see the players walk through the mix zone and... I work as a journalist, some of them get it, some of them don't, some of them will be here for three years, some of them will become legends, some of them won't, but the one constant we have is this United family, you see lads all the time, and ladies, some, some United's best fans are, are female, um, and, and, and long may it continue, because for me that, that's almost more important than, than the game itself. Finally, we've got an offer for listeners who like beer, and I suspect one or two of you may like beer it comes from beer52.com and here's the deal you get a selection of eight small batch craft beers delivered to your door each month along with a snack and a magazine the magazine's called ferment it's a hundred page magazine and contains great stories about beers and breweries you're supposed to learn about craft beer and enjoy an expertly chosen variety of different styles beer 52 is the uk's most popular beer craft club so here's the deal get a free case of eight Norwegian beers. That's not because United are playing in Norway this weekend, because this was booked a long time ago when we started talking to them. So you get eight special Norwegian beers, and they'll be delivered to you. They're normally £24 for a case, but all you have to do is pay £5.95 for postage. And this box includes the highly rated Incan Dagger from Amundsen in Oslo which is a, a hoppy IPA and there's another decent beer called Rala Amber Ale from Eiger. My pronunciations are probably dreadful but I've drank them and the taste would anything but dreadful. They're really nice. To get your free beers go to beer52.com forward slash united that's www.beer52.com dot com forward slash united and you'll get sent through eight special norwegian beers you just pay 5.95 for postage have a look on the website anyway but that's an offer for united we stand uh, podcast listeners rather timely our next podcast will be from oslo maybe with a, a kind of ink and dagger in our hands i'm not sure what they're selling destiny's bar these days but we're doing a podcast this weekend we might even do a couple of podcasts because United are really well supported in, in Oslo and we're going to meet some really interesting people out there. So give us two, three, four days and we'll get you the next podcast up. In the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed this one. We're starting work on the first United We Stand of the season. The summer one's gone well, so cheers for supporting us with that one. Um, check out, if, you, if you've not seen United We Stand, 
have a look at consider subscribing uh, go to our website udsonline.com and there's more information there it's probably never been cheaper to subscribe to United We Stand we're not going to increase the price this year even though pulp and therefore paper prices have gone up and with the absolutely shit pound if you're living outside the UK well take advantage of it everyone else is until next time goodbye